Hey, Health by Designers. If you're looking to start living stronger, longer, and better today, and why wouldn't you be, then make sure to check out my all-new, on-demand, Live Stronger, Longer, Better Today Masterclass. Packed with the same must-know topics and information I guide all my coaching clients with to reach their personal health, fitness, and even life goals. It's 100% free, doesn't require any software, no logins to remember, and doesn't force you to choose a time or anything like that. Just watch it when you want, how you want. To get it, simply visit my website at www.royalexander.com VIP, and I hope you enjoy the masterclass. And now, let's get on to this week's episode of Health by Design. Looking to live stronger, longer, and better? Then welcome to Health by Design. Hosted by leading healthy living expert and wellness architect, Roar Alexander. After years of traveling and studying around the world, Roar combines his decades of Western health and fitness knowledge with the many time-driven traditions and secrets of the ancient East to bring you only the best in cutting-edge information and special guest interviews that will have you feeling great, losing weight, and finally grabbing a hold of everything you want out of life. So if you're ready to take control of your body, health, and mind, then it's time for Health by Design. Welcome everybody to Health by Design podcast, a podcast for busy men and women 35 plus, so you're in the 30s, 40s, 50s, even 60s, are looking to lose weight and start living stronger, longer, and better. And you want to do that in easy, efficient, and yet effective ways. And this is the podcast for you. Now, this podcast is not about reaching a six-pack. In fact, none of mine are. Now, you can. And again, it's not really technically that hard. But it does require significantly more dedication. However, this isn't really what this podcast is about. This podcast in particular is about getting to and maintaining a healthy and even fit level of body fat for life. For guys, it's about anywhere around, yeah, we could say anywhere between 9 and 18%, you know, even 12 and 18%. Women, that's 20 to 30. But most importantly, living stronger longer and better. That's what this podcast is mostly about. It's about living better. And obviously, if you're living healthier, you are living better. But there's, you know, there's a lot of people out there maybe uh, kind of living healthy, but maybe uh, they're just not living better. So if that's you, then you're in the right place. So this is an interesting podcast I have coming up today. This is an episode I've actually been working on for quite a while. Um, I have a friend slash um, a coaching adjacent <laughs> client named Carlos. So Carlos, if you're listening, hello there. Uh, this is an episode that I asked him a while ago and he's like, you know what? It'd be just great if you could do a podcast on just like what to eat, healthy eating. And I was like, sounds like such a simple task at the same time that could be a really, really complex task. So I've been working on this podcast Um and just going through it for quite a while now. The hardest part was putting it in order. I think that's the hardest thing we, you know, when you're doing this sort of topic is trying to put it into an order. So this one, I've actually pro broken it down. Uh, I probably won't go over them with you, but I've broken them down into, I call them part one, part two. And that's kind of how I've decided to organize it. Almost organize it kind of the way if I was writing a book. So that's kind of the way this podcast is going to go. Now... Uh, don't forget, if you haven't already checked out my all-new Stronger, Longer, Better Today Masterclass, make sure you go and check that out because that is where I give you tons of tips and just all the information and the kind of coaching tips that I share with all my private weight loss and health coaching clients. That's available on my website at www.roaralexander.com VIP. Now, this is also not one of those cheesy webinars where, you know, they make you go on and you got to book a time. It, it, why do you have to book a time to watch something that's pre-recorded? You know, because they try to make it look like it's live. You know, it's not live. You know why it's live? Because you can't ask a question. And why do you think you can book it at all these weird times? How can you get book it at 1 a.m.? Uh, there, there's just a bunch of nonsense to make you feel more special, like you're being part of something. Mine's not like that. Mine is on demand, all right? You just go in there, you put in your email address, send you a link. You can watch it anytime you want. Now, it's a masterclass, right? So it's like 45 minutes long. You're like, I don't have that kind of time, right? I can't sit down for 45 minutes straight. Great. Pause it. Stop it. Come back to it. You can fast forward. I just got done actually watching a, 
uh, webinar a couple minutes ago, and it was annoying because I had to do some things. And I was like, I couldn't pause it. Couldn't go back to it. If I stopped it, it was gone. I had to rebook another time. I'm like, it's it's a video. Stop trying to hide a video. You know, you try to try to wrap up a video so it looks really uh, more impressive than it is. But at the end of the day, all these uh, webinars you see on these uh, Facebook ads and Instagram, they're all just the, the same thing I'm doing. They're just they're just videos, except they're making you download weird software and just do a bunch of hassle stuff. Not mine. Go straight to your inbox. Just watch it when you want. So make sure you guys check that out again. That's Roar Alexander dot com slash VIP because that's what you are to me. You are a very important person. Let's talk about today's podcast. Today's podcast is literally called Eating to Live Stronger, Longer, and Better. And wow, what a big subject. So I'm going to start with what I just call, I'll call it chapter one, part one, just the real basics. Now, again, guys, this is this is not a book. So I am talking to you the way that I would talk to a customer. This is how I would kind of explain it to a client, uh, you know, whatever, if I was, or if I was going to do a seminar, which I, this kind of is, you think about it, it's kind of a seminar I'm doing right now. And the main thing we need to know is that when living stronger, longer, better, and I put them in that order, uh, we need to make sure that we're living stronger. So that means you want to have a low fat, highly muscled, strong body should be your primary goal. That means you are at a healthy to fit body fat percentage, which like I said, is anything for guys, 18, eh, you could probably bring that down, but anything for guys, you're looking at that eight to 18-ish. Now you don't want to be 18 because it's too easy to jump in that 19 where you're technically overweight. So I would say guys, you want to be in those mid to low, well, Let's say low teens. I would say if you could be anywhere between 10 and 16%, you're going to be pretty golden. Uh, making sure you have enough lean muscle. Now, this is, this is the problem when it comes to lean muscle is there's no chart to we – we can look at anybody on a chart and say, okay, you have a BMI. There's a, a body fat percentage. So I can look at your height, look at your weight, and even your age, and say, okay, this is body fat percentage you're supposed to have. There's no such thing as a lean muscle percentage. I am working on a chart for it. And what I'm doing is I'm basically taking, I'm starting with me. It's starting with somebody who's 6'4", and looking at me saying, okay, well, I should be between this weight and this weight at roughly 12% body fat. I should be between this weight and this weight, meaning that I would have enough muscle. I can't go much more into that. Like I said, I'm in the middle of working on it. It's taken me a while to figure this one out. But the goal should be, like I said, a low fat or healthy fat and highly muscled and strong, primarily even even more focusing on strength. You want to have a strong body. So you go into Google and you can just Google something like, you could just like, what is a, a good PR for a deadlift for a guy, a good squat, and see where you match up to that. Now, strong also, of course, that just, we're not just talking about strong muscles. We're talking about strong bones, strong ligaments, and strong tendons. So we'll talk about all that in a minute. The way we do that, number one, is you have your calories in check. Eating, you know, less than healthy. I will say this. Eating less than healthy foods, but having a healthy body weight and muscle mass is better than being over fat and under muscled and eating the cleanest shit in the world. Okay? If you're like, hey, you know what? My diet, it's not that great, but you somehow managed to pull off your macros. You're still staying lean. Uh, you got some muscle there, then I would say, hey, you know what? You're probably in a, in a slightly better position or even a moderately better position than somebody who's eating all the great stuff, but he's eating, you know, pounds of, say, cinnamon yams with coconut oil and all that other stuff, and it can really just add up. So that's not to say, though, so don't don't get me wrong. People say, oh, well, then you say, I should eat crap. Like, no, no. What I am saying is, you know, if you were to not eat the best diet but maintain kind of that body I was talking about a minute ago versus just going ham out crazy on, you know, the clean, so-called clean or healthy foods, but being constantly overweight, I would pick the former over the latter. But I would like to see you at that body by eating great foods, the foods we're going to be talking about today. So how do we do that? Well, the first one is protein. Here's the thing that, you know, a lot of these these zealots, these gurus, these people trying to sell you all this advice, they don't tell you that 
all these low carb carnivory, you know, vegan, whatever, low carb, high fat, whatever you want to call these people. When you take two groups and calorie match them and you, and you match their protein, so you standardize protein across the board, the group that is low carb or the, and high fat or the group that is low fat, high carb will have the same amount of weight loss when the calories are standardized, consistent, meaning they are in a slight deficit and the protein is matched. Most of these studies never match the protein. That's the big catch. They never match proteins. Some of the better ones have been matching protein. They're like, hey, shit, it doesn't matter if you're low carb or low fat. Now, saying that, you know, you don't want to be no fat because you need about 20% calories from your fat. You don't want to be low carb. You need some carbohydrates to have energy. Now, of course, there'll be people who argue, no, your body creates energy from fat, blah, blah, blah. Whatever. You do not function nearly as well when you have no carbs in your diet. It's as simple as that, performance-wise, mental-wise. Don't care what anybody says. You'll be, oh, I fast for a day or two. I feel great. That's one or two days. I'm not talking about 24 hours. Christ, just get over that already. So protein, what is that? One gram per lean pound of body fat. So you need to know your fat percentage. You need to at least be able to really well guess your fat percentage. And I've I've talked in another podcast about how you do that. I'm not going to go into that again. You can always DM me and ask me if you really want to know. But I would just go back and listen to basically a whole bunch of other podcasts. I've talked about that before. Almost every gym has a way of letting you do that. Next one is fiber. You want to make sure you're getting your fiber. Like I said, this is the basics, right? You're probably listening going, oh, shit, I've heard all this before. But we're going to get there. We're going to get there to some really, we're going to get, we're going to go down the rabbit hole today. But the next one is fiber recommendations. You got two kinds. You got soluble, insoluble. And what does fiber do without getting, again, going to go crazy. Helps clean intestines, right? Cholesterol balancing. It can feed the gut biome, microbiota. Prevents constipation, aids in elimination, helps balance blood sugar. You shouldn't have all those cravings. It helps you feel full. Helps with satiety, right? And we want to get most of our food through whole foods, right? We want to avoid those ultra-processed foods, ultra-refined foods. We want to be eating foods that are whole or, you know, what, what do we call it? Naturally processed? Like peanut I'll give you an example right now. You might be, what was he talking about? Peanut butter. Well, let's say you take peanuts and I grind them up into butter. Just peanuts. That's processed, right? But it's still peanuts. Let's say, what if I happen to add in a tablespoon of pure cocoa powder? Well, okay, now it's still whole foods, it's just but it's more processed, right? You don't find chalk, you don't find cocoa, peanut butter in nature. So you get the idea, right? It's focusing on whole food ingredients into lightly processed foods. That's okay, and whole foods. So then you got water. Making sure you are drinking lots of water, your two to four liters per day. Getting in your fruits, getting in your vegetables. We'll talk more about that. Lots of servings of vegetables, particularly. Though I'm not, I'm not opposed to fruit either, but you know, again, keeping the fruit a little bit lighter, keeping the vegetables a lot heavier. So that's the basics. Now let's start. Let's start strolling around the rim of that hole. We're gonna go down, okay? So now part two, from around the world, I call this. And I've talked about this before. Talked about it on an Instagram podcast, talked about it on YouTube. I even have literally one of my podcasts is called We Live in a Wonder Bread Culture. We live in a Wonder Bread Culture. That means we just tend to eat bland, boring, crappy processed foods. I want you to go back and I want you to reference my podcast with Dr. Stuart Fairmont. I believe it's called We Live in a Wonder Bread Culture. He's the author of the book called Spice. That's episode 47. But what we can learn if we look around the world is that cooking has always been seen primarily traditionally with a medicinal value. It's always had a medicinal value to it. There's been community values. We're going to talk about traditional values, but we're going to talk about medicinal value. Now, in traditional Chinese, you have the five flavors in Ayurveda, you have the five flavors. Thai, five flavors. Indonesian, same thing. Then we have five slash six flavors, depending on who you're talking. Like I said, in Ayurveda, it's six. That's sweet, salty, sour, bitter, umami. And then some of them, I believe, is Ayurveda. They throw spicy or the flavor of hot. Now, hot could be a sensation. I don't know if it's necessarily a flavor, but that's kind of what the argument is. But 
We in the West, however, have focused on sweet and salty, right? And then umami, which is that fatty flavor. You know, when you bite it, that fatty part in a steak, you're just like, oh, that part's so good. That cotton candy fat. Right? So those are the three that we focused on. And there's evolutionary reasons for that. And, you know, sweet. If you ate something sweet back in the day, you guaranteed it was probably pretty good for you. It was good. It had lots of calories in it. You bit into something sour and bitter, eh, probably poisonous or gone bad. It's not the truth. We're going to get to that a little later because there's lots of foods. Uh, we'll get to that. I don't want to get on that yet. We want to make sure that we are giving some love to all the five flavors or six flavors. Okay? So that's number one. Now, we can look at, like we said, this is about from around the world. This is lessons from around the world. Now, we can look at the blue zones. For those of you that don't know what blue zones are, these are the areas in the world that have been sort of pinpointed where people live the longest. Now, this is actually really interesting. There's actually some controversy about the blue zones, and it might be even flawed data. And I'm hoping that I can bring on one of the biggest proponents of the kind of... Why the blue zones are flawed. But I've only been recently researching this. It's kind of interesting. But I don't want to get into that too much today because I still think there's a lot we can take from blue zones or, or even just traditional cultures. So the blue zones, what do they find? They find there's a real focus on plant eating. So highly vegetarian, not vegan, but vegetarian Focus on whole foods, focus on spices, traditional cooking methods, so important. Knowing how to freaking cook. We'll talk, we're going to touch on that a little bit later too, but you know, how to cook things properly. You don't listen to all these idiots out there that talk about, oh, you shouldn't eat beans, legumes because of the anti-nutrients. There's ways to cook it so it gets right rid of it. So stop your, stop your bullshit, you fucking doctor, you, you freaking book authors out there who try to scare away everybody. God, we have a problem with people not eating enough vegetables. And then you get all these freaking specialists coming on there with every single book telling you what vegetables not to eat. Oh, don't eat beans. Don't eat legumes. Don't eat nightshades. Don't eat this. Don't eat that. Don't eat vegetables that aren't from your geographic. Come on, guys. The biggest problem is people just aren't eating fucking vegetables. Now you're going to start giving all these categories to vegetables. And then you're not going to talk about how to cook them properly to actually increase their benefits or decrease the negatives. They're just going to make these black and white rules. The other thing the Blue Zones do is very low sweets. Now, here's the thing. We can't just say, okay, well, I'm going to eat like a Blue Zone. Okay, because we don't live their low-stress lifestyle. You're not living on an island off the coast of Italy. You know, you, you, we don't have those kind of network connections that they, they have in Japan. So they don't, they don't go gyms either. You're listening to this. There's a good chance you probably work out. They don't really go to gyms. Yeah, they move a lot, but they're not going to the gyms. They're not putting heavy racks on their back. They're not practicing the snatch. Huh? They're not back squatting. They're not engaging. They're coming to the to train with me at uh, the gym that I'm uh, doing some work at their EOA for a squat timber. You know, they're not doing that. But if you watch these blue zones, you listen to these blue, and they inspire you to eat better. That's great. I think that's I think that's an important thing. That's what we could take from around the world. So now we're, we're, starting to, we're starting to get there now. We're starting, okay, we're starting to put the pieces together. So next thing, next part three I call getting specific. And we're going to talk about what is a superfood. Because you hear this term around a lot, right? Even you hear in the Blue Zone, they eat a lot of superfoods. All these kind of eat superfoods, superfoods, superfoods. So what is a superfood compared to a non-superfood? Well, a superfood is simply a high-nutrient, low-calorie or a or food or that has a strong medicinal value that has a physical attribute that affects our health in a positive way so that's what it is it has a compound in it and usually fairly so it's high high nutrient or a very important compound that affects our health in a very positive way, yet also tends to be low calorie. So for instance, if you had to eat a thousand calories or something to get the smallest little benefit, then that really wouldn't be a superfood. But if you can eat a little bit of it, or it's very low calories, and it gives you a, a decent health boost in some way, that would be what a superfood is. 
So the CDC, researchers at William Patterson University, they produced a list of what they called 41 powerhouse fruits and vegetables, ranked by the amounts of 17 critical nutrients they contained. Scored on their content of fiber, potassium, protein, calcium, folate, B12, vitamin A, vitamin D, and other vitamins and minerals. And they came up with a list of what they consider the best top superfoods. I'll give you a few of them. Watercress scored at 100. So this score was out of 100. So watercress, by the way, I ate a lot of watercress. We'll talk about that in a bit. Scored 100. Chinese, you know, Napa cabbage scored a 91.99. Chard, 89.27. In fact, we got beet greens, spinach, chicken. I'm not going to go hold down the list. In fact, most people, you know, even that superfood kale didn't even come in the top 10. Now, this is interesting. You got to keep this in mind, though. You might be saying, well, what about the blueberries? What about the berries? I thought those were supposed to be awesome. Yes, you are correct. And there was a problem in this list is that berries performed very poorly because they were rich in phytochemicals. These are non-essential nutrients, which we're going to talk about later, that have protective or disease-preventing properties. The problem is there's no uniform data on phytochemicals in food, and there's no recommended intake amounts. The scores on these had to be based on nutrients that have an RDA, recommended daily allowance. So watercress scored very high in, you know, the typical vitamins and minerals. But they weren't looking at some of the different phytochemicals, which we'll talk about a little later. So that's why you got to take, I don't want to say take this with a grain of salt, but they were looking at a different scoring than, you know, we might. So that kind of brings me to what my list of top superfoods are. So I'm going to give you mine. And number one, well, I'm not saying these aren't really in order, I should say. I shouldn't say number one. Watercress. I do eat a lot of watercress. I think it's great. I was like, you know what? If it scores 100 on there, I'm still going to eat it. And it's still got phytonutrients. It's still got antioxidants in it. I have a watercress. But I said Chinese cabbage. Liver. Okay, because so they were looking at plants. Remember that. I said they were looking at plants. They weren't looking at regular foods. But liver has basically been called, you know, nature's multivitamin. Just Maybe not, not even just organ foods in general, right? Dark chocolate, berries, pomegranate seeds, all herbs and spices, right? We're going we're gonna to get into that in a bit too. Dark leafy greens, that's your spinach, your kale, your bok choy, your gailan. Gailan. It's one of my favorite ones, actually. We do a lot of gailan here. You're probably going, what the hell is gailan? Moving to Asia, you'll know what gailan is. Go to an Asian grocery store. You'll know what guideline is. It's great. It's absolutely delicious. They use a lot of Thai um, food, actually. It's Thai stir-fries. Chinese and Thai stir-fries. Uh, fragrant vegetables, particularly those of the alimum family. So right now you say, what the, what the hell is a thing? Well, there's herbs and spices, right? But then there's another one where they... And again, it's a little confusing. Some say they fit. Some say they don't fit. But I'll give you an example. Onions, garlic, chives, shallots, scallions, leeks. They're co- most of those are considered a vegetable. They're not really considered a herb or a spice. Now, what's a herb? Right, Herbs are the fresh part of the plant, the leafy part of the plant. So in that case, onions could be technically a herb, but they're also called a vegetable. So I call them fragrant vegetables. And the aluminum family, the, the allium, allium family, that's kind of your high sulfur family, like I said, the garlics and stuff like that. Uh, mandarins and kiwis are in there as well. I threw those as a couple of the really good superfood super fruits. So like I said, the three categories of medicinal flavor boosters are herbs, which are the fresh part of the plant, tend to be the, uh, like I said, the leafy parts. You tend to eat those. They can be dried, but they can also be eaten in there. Like just, you go pick them from the garden and you just grow them right there, right? They, they're better like that. They honestly are. Most herbs are better in their raw form. You pick them, you eat them. Spices, on the other hand, is the dried root, the dried stalk, the seed, or the dried fruit of the plant. So spices are dried out. Then you got fragrant plants, like I said. So this would be a chili pepper. Right, So when we cook, we take the chili pepper and we throw it in. We crush it up. 
Now, if we were, I guess, I guess in theory, if we were to eat, you know, take out the chili pepper seeds and crush those down, dry them out and crush them, that would be the spice. The chili pepper, the actual big long red pepper itself, that's a vegetable. Pandan leaf, again, one of my favorites. Is it a herb? Is it a vegetable? I don't know. So I just throw it into fragrant plants. Onion, garlic are in there as well. I'm sure you can think of a few more fragrant plants that you know we commonly use as spices or really things to strongly flavor foods. So those are the three categories of medicinal flavor boosters that you should be trying to get a lot more of. Herbs, spices, fragrant plants. Let's talk then about, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about macronutrients, you know, protein, carbs, fats. But let's get down into micronutrients. When we were talking about that CDC's list, right, they were looking at micronutrients. They were looking at the category of vitamins and minerals. These are called, basically, these are nutrients that are necessary for health. Without them or lacking in them, you could seriously cause major issues in your health, perhaps even death. Right? We've seen countries where there's you know, lack of, say, vitamin A. What happens there? Can't remember exactly what it's called right now. But very quickly, you can see what happens if you are completely missing a vitamin or a mineral. Then we have essential nutrients. Right, We can throw omega-3s under there. And then those get break down into their almost the, the different compounds in them, which is your EPA and the DHA and ALA. So ALA is a plant-based omega-3 that needs to get converted into usable EPA and DHA by your body. So a lot of vegetarians say, well, you can get your omega-3s from plants. Yeah, but it doesn't work very well. The conversion of ALA into EPA is about 5%, and DHA is about 0.5%. Now, there is an algal, which is an algae oil that works. But my point is, animal-based omega-3s are significantly better. Then we got highly beneficial micronutrients. These are the ones that I said were not on that CDC's list, right? These are the ones that you can, I guess you can live without them, but they have a lot of good benefits and you do need some of them. Just how much, there's no recommendation. We're talking about things like antioxidants. And you've probably heard of the CERT proteins, the CERTuins. Sirtuins, you probably heard about that, the CERT diet. These are proteins that have different ways to boost metabolism in your body. They just activate different metabolic pathways in your body. And we're not going to get into too much into sirtuins. I'd rather spend my time talking about phytonutrients. Phytonutrients basically where, where you get your antioxidants, right? Phytonutrients equal antioxidants. So a phytonutrient is a chemical compound in plants that can have a beneficial effect. And from here... So think of phytonutrients as a umbrella term. And then you can break that down into classes. And I don't think I have all the classes here, but I'm just going to give you the three main ones that I want to talk about today. Because there's different class, there's different categories and some people there's it can get quite deep down the rabbit hole. We wanna to want to go that deep, right? But you have carotenoids. Those are Pigments, that's what causes the pigment in foods to create bright reds, yellows, oranges, right? Which, again, we can think of things like beta carotene, pro-vitamin A. So yams, carrots, right? Good for the eyes. You hear carotenoids, good for the eyes, right? Lutein. Again, if you go into a supplement store and you're saying, hey, I need something for my eyes, that's always going to have lutein in it. Lycopene, that's the antioxidant you hear about in tomatoes. That's good for the prostate. So again, we're talking about bright reds, yellows, and oranges. Then you got polyphenols. You probably heard of that one. These promote cardiovascular health. These are things like resveratrol, you know, the uh, the red wine, the purples, the greens. Okay, you got your resveratrol from red wine, your turmeric. Okay, and that's a yellow though, but still, it's different. It's classified as a polyphenol. So there's no set rule that says, hey, it's yellow. It has to be a carotenoid because turmeric falls under the polyphenols. Green tea, grape seed extract. So polyphenols. And then finally, we got bioflavonoids or flavonoids. These are very beneficial for the liver, brain health, hormone balancing, immune, and allergies. So uh, an example of this, I didn't write any down, but a quercetin. Quercetin is one. So if you have allergies quite often, you can go in and they'll give you some quercetin. Or quercetin, I'm not really quite sure how they pronounce it. There's another one too. I can't remember what the top of it is. But 
Uh, also, some of the phytoestrogens fall under here, which eh, have some positives, have some negatives, but they fall under there. We won't get into that today. From here, I think now we're starting to, we're starting to get a better picture, right? So then we can move on to, now that we know what some of these things are, we can move on to what, uh, what I get. I don't really want to, I don't call it it, but it's called, I call this chapter or phase in our talk today, eating for medicine. By now, I'm sure you've all heard of the amazing benefits of hitting the sauna at least a couple times per week. From decreasing chronic stress, boosting muscle, increasing deep tissue and brain detoxification, improving sleep, relieving pain, and even helping you live longer. And that is quite the list, and that's not even close to all the benefits. But there are huge differences in the quality of infrared saunas, differences that can literally make the difference between getting healthier or getting sicker. I mean, do you really think you can hop onto Alibaba and order some cheap sauna from some untraceable factory in China and expect it to be solid quality? I think we all know the answer to that by now. And this is why I suggest in investing in only the best infrared sauna money can buy. And these are Radiant Health Saunas, a trusted Western Canadian home sauna brand. Founder Randy Gom has completed third-party, comprehensive, 100-point health testing on his saunas, covering everything from toxic chemicals and fumes to electronic radiations. He has even made sure there is zero off-gassing, zero toxins, equal heat distribution, and uses only pure Canadian hemlock wood with the absolute lowest near-zero EMFs possible. Clean, even heat, no toxins, nearly zero EMFs. And the one and two person models can be plugged right into your existing home wall outlets. Costs about only 40 cents to run for an entire hour and there's a model to fit any size space you currently have. Believe me, I did a lot of research into choosing the best infrared saunas for my clients, myself, and my family. And Radiant Health Saunas is the clear winner bar none. And this is one of the best investments you can make to your long-term health. Check them out at www.radianthealthsaunas.com. And then once you know which model you want, simply tell them Roar Alexander from the Health by Design podcast sent you, and you will save $500 off any wooden model. Yes, you heard me right. $500 off any wooden model of their top quality infrared saunas. And now with that said, let's get back to Health by Design. So when it comes to beating, eating too for medicine, uh, I really like to refer to a book that is a very good book that you should probably check out by Dr. William Lee called Eat to Beat Disease. And that's eating to boost your body's five defense systems. And in this, basically he talks about how to eat to boost your body's five primary defense systems. The first one is angiogenesis, which is the body's ability to grow blood vessels. With roughly 60,000 miles of blood vessels inside our bodies, these blood vessels, i.e. circulation, bring oxygen to nutrients in every cell in our body and work to protect our health. And we need to feed our healthy cells and also prevent disease from getting access to our blood supply. And certain foods can activate our angiogenesis defense. The next system he talks about is regeneration. And this is based on our stem cells and or our regenerative system. When we were kids, we were taught that starfish and salamanders can regenerate, but people can't. Yet science now shows us that our bodies, in fact, do regenerate and regenerate from the inside out using stem cells. So there's foods you can do to even boost your stem cells. Microbiome. The food that we eat not only feeds our own cells, but our bacteria as well. And we have around 39 trillion bacteria inside our body that coexist with our cells as part of our ecosystem of health. Now, our microbiome helps control our immune system, speed up wound healing, and even influence our social hormone oxycontin. When our microbiome is disturbed, we not only have gut problems, but we can have immune problems. And some cancers are even associated with gut problems. And there's been a lot of research into mood and depression when it comes to, um, say, gut issues, the lack of serotonin. And most of the serotonin is made in your gut. So eating for your microbiome. Next, we move to DNA protection. Now, people often think of DNA as our genetic blueprint, but it's much more than that, as DNA is designed to rebuild and protect us against harmful environmental stressors. 
anything from ultraviolet light to secondhand smoke. And there are many ways that we're exposed to harmful environmental factors, even things if you think about even lighter things like EMFs that can damage our DNA. And our DNA can both neutralize this damage and fix it. So you have to think of it like a road that could be repaved when potholes and there are foods that can help our DNA just do that. And then we finally get to immunity, which is our ability to fight foreign pathogens like bacteria and viruses. And let's be honest, we've seen a huge outcome from our weak ass immune systems in 2020, have we not? Those are the five systems that he talks about and genogenesis, growing blood vessels, regeneration through stem cells, the microbiome or gut biome, DNA protection, helping prevent, helping to protect us from the environmental damages, and immunity from viruses and bacteria. Now, what he doesn't touch on, like what I said at the beginning, is also, I believe, what should be heavily emphasized, and the, the, because he talks about it from a you know, eating to boost your body's five defense systems. I would say, you know, like I said, at the very beginning of the book, eating for body, muscle mass, muscle strength. Muscle is the organ of longevity. And it's the number one thing that we can do to boost our metabolism. And the fact is, you know, this particular virus we've been hit it has been shown to hit us because 82% or it was 82 or 88% of people have some sort of dysfunction in their metabolism. We are metabolically, metabolically inefficient. Whether it means we're under-muscled, we're overweight, we have um, different you know, problems. A lot of it relates back to our metabolism. Eating to maintain a healthy muscled weight is one of the best ways to beat disease or recover, showing that people who have better body mass index have more strength, have more muscle, recover quicker if they are put in the hospital. There's a number of things that, you know, that we can talk about with more bitters. So one of the things that I suggest people eat is more bitters as well. Now, we're not talking about muscle anymore. Now, bitter foods, I talked about this at the very beginning when I talked about the five foods or the six food flavors, right? One of the ones that is missing huge is bitters, and bitters moderate and balance blood sugar, meaning there are going to be less cravings for sweets, and they're going to be more filling. It helps you feel more full. Bitter foods stimulate the liver to produce bile, which is an important part of optimal digestion. Bile emulsifies fats and renders nutrients, especially fat-soluble ones such as vitamin A, D, both very powerful immune helpers, E and K, more available, i.e. bitter foods challenge the liver to make it work and to remain healthy. Just as muscles is challenged by exercise function, uh, better, better than ones that a trophy from underuse. A liver frequently challenged by bitters can efficiently process the occasional sweet treat, but in and but inverting that bittersweet ratio intake is very important. And one of the things I talk about a lot is just getting and starting to understand the amazing world of vinegars. So earlier I was talking about you know nutrients, micronutrients, phyto nutrients, uh, what we talk, carotenoids, we talk, I'm just going to scroll back up there, you know, polyphenols, bioflavonoids, they all have different things they could do. So for instance, there's what's called detoxification foods. These are foods that can help with detoxifying your body, helping to clear out metals, helping to clear out pesticides, herbicides, can help just to make the organs work better and can also help with what's called phase one and phase two detoxification. And there's this, so you got detoxifying foods. You have hormone balancing slash elimination. So that is a something like cruciferous vegetables. It's probably one of the best ones for detoxifying as well as helping balance hormones, it's particularly when it comes to, say, estrogen. It can help get rid of excess estrogen. It can help balance estrogen. And like I said, it can also help to detox um, your body and help to reduce inflammation. You have metabolism boosting foods. That's a lot of that can be spices, fenugreek, cayenne, ginger, black pepper, cinnamon can help to decrease blood sugar levels, which means less craving and appetite control. And what I call cinnamon, I call it a sweet mimicker. It's got a sweet flavor. You can use it sometimes in the replacement of sugar to add a bit of sweetness to your food without actually bringing in any sugar and basically no calories. You have nutrients 
that are good for anti-inflammation. Like I mentioned a few minutes ago, with the cruciferous vegetables are probably one of the most powerful ones there are. You have turmeric, omega-3s, uh, anthocyanins. Those are the compounds in berries, like in blueberries. Sulforaphane, which I'm sure you've heard about now in broccoli sprout seed. Quercetin, which is, like I mentioned earlier, allergy inflammation. And certain mushrooms, such as lion's mane, reishi, and mataki. You have adaptogens. You have foods that can help with tissue health and lean muscle health, such as collagen, protein, magnesium, D, K2, and calcium. That's all great for your bones as well as muscles and ligaments and tendons. And then you have digestion, such as uh, things like pineapple or papaya that contain enzymes, probiotic foods like yogurts or... Um, kefir or kombucha that have probiotics you have prebiotics that feed the good gut bacteria so that's the way you, we got to think about food right we can eat to beat disease and eat foods that will give us all these healthy boosting benefits now that we know all that i guess the big question is how do we get this all in and it's quite it's not that difficult first of all I want you to eat the freaking rainbow, okay? Eat from around the world. The average person has been shown eats the same 25 foods all the time. Think about it. What do you typically eat? It's chicken, pork, beef, right? Chicken, pork, beef. Then every again, a couple of times a year, you might have turkey. But primarily, it's one of those three meats. But when's the last time you ate some ocean mussels? And there's different varieties. When's, maybe you had, when's the last time you had green-lipped ocean mussels? When's the last time you had some squid? When's the last time you had shrimps? What's the different kinds of fish have you had? Was it just salmon and tuna all the time? There are so many different kinds of fish. Organ meats, right? Have you tried a bunch of different organ meats? Greens. Get out there. Try some different greens. Try some gailan. Try some bok choy. Go into the freezer section. Look at some pandan. Check out the different... There are so many greens. Watercress. I strongly suggest that people try a different vegetable or different fruit every week. And it's very simple. I'll tell you what to do. Go Next time you go to the grocery store, look for a vegetable that you don't recognize and just go to YouTube and type it in. And you're going to get recipes and recipes and how to prepare. It's very simple. So by eating the rainbow when it comes to plants and eating everything they say from hoof to tail, getting the organ meats in there, eating your broths, uh, eating, you know, like we said, you got a beef broth, chicken broth, you know, eating those high collagen meat animal products. Now, another thing you could do is I have what's called my shift principles, right? So shift is just, just a fancy term for how I tell people to get in more spices, herbs, infusion, fragrance, and taste. That is, and they could be sneaky ways to get into your, into your food. For instance, my mastermind mocha in the morning is coffee with some cinnamon and some pure cocoa powder. You can add some infusions into your rice. You can add infusions. You can add some turmeric into your uh, scrambled eggs, for instance. Get into spices. Get into herbs. Start using them. Start with the ones that you're more familiar with. Start researching some of the ones that are a little more simple. And then start to get more and start to just experiment. There's no reason why you just can't experiment with spices. Whether it's adding the entire spices or just infusing foods. For instance, having some, just dropping some berries I've talked about just in some water. Grating up some lemon peel or orange peel and adding it to your salad. There's so many different ways that you can start putting in all these spices, herbs, and what I call fragrant vegetables or fragrant plants into your food. Another thing you want to do is you want to understand food prepping. And then when I'm talking about that, I mean the best ways to cook. What foods are best eaten raw? What foods are best eaten cooked? So I, obviously we can't go over them all here. I can't name every food. But, you know, when it comes to raw I'm a big fan of, you know, raw or lightly steaming. I'm a big fan of steaming, actually. I, I think I, I'm into steaming everything. I don't do a lot, lot raw, but things that should be either eaten raw or very low cooked, like a steam, things like onion, garlic, 
berries, bell peppers, broccoli. When it comes to cooked foods, you know, spinach has been shown to be much better cooked, kale, tomatoes, and carrots. But again, you don't want to cook the hell out of these things. So one of the things you don't want to do a lot of is boiling. Boiling will just take the nutrients, they'll pull it out of the food, and you're going to end up dumping it down the sink. You also don't want to be doing a lot of high heat cooking where you're burning the foods or you're just like cooking the hell out of them. This is specifically important when it comes to meat. You have what's called ages, advanced glycation end products, right? So basically, that's just when you overheat your food, you got compounds called advanced glycation end products, which can have a powerful effect on your metabolic health, not in the good way. And it can be even carcinogenic. So those are foods that have been exposed to high temperatures, such as grilling, frying, or toasting. Um, then your diet is actually the biggest uh, contributor for ages. Now, if you have a high vegetable, high antioxidant diet, then your body can basically slow down or prevent the oxidative stress and the inflammation that's caused by ages. But if you don't, if you tend to eat a lot of burned food or just really highly cooked food, then you could be causing a lot of inflammation in your body. So we want to make sure that we're aware of proper cooking methods too, because I've always said, you can take the best foods in the world, but if you don't know how to prepare them right, you prepare them wrong, you could destroy them. Think about it very easily. Let's just say you take a handful of berries, uh, garlic, kale, whatever you got. Think of the most nutritious plate you could have and just dump it in a deep fryer. Dump it in a deep fryer right out in your imagination. Well, you just basically destroyed everything. So, yes, eating healthy foods is good, uh, maybe, but got to make sure you're cooking them the best way there is to go. The last thing I want to talk about is where you can learn more. So hopefully you enjoyed this podcast and you were like, hey, you know what? There's a lot of cool stuff I learned. So the first thing I'm placing to tell you is where not to learn them. I don't want you to get your nutrition information off Netflix documentaries. Hey, rule number one, Netflix documentaries are off the table. You're not allowed to watch them. Documentaries are made usually specifically because somebody has a bias and they want to go out and prove it. So you don't want to be doing that. You also don't want to get it from any Instagram, super trainers, any biohackers, magazine articles, or best, really best-selling authors a lot of the time. Um, yeah, there's no saying that, you know, there's some great books out there too, but you got to be careful specifically when it comes to these, these biohackers, anybody with an agenda, anybody who's really way off to the ones to the left or to the right, right? You guys got to, you got to be very careful with who you're listening to. So I'll tell you the best way to do it. And it's, it does require some work because it's not listening to, you know, your favorite, uh, biohacker trainer of the year, uh, Silicon Valley guru on uh, YouTube and Instagram. And that is courses. Um, and some I got here, the NAFC Nutrition Foundations and Sports Nutrition. Now you can actually get those from my Thrive Academy. So if you reach out to me, I can actually hook you up with those courses. Yes, there's a costume, obviously, because these are professional, um, you know, fitness courses that trainers would take. Um, you can also look at Canfit Pro. They have a couple courses, Healthy Eating and Healthy, uh, what's this? Healthy Eating and Weight Loss Coach and something called Eat Clean Foundation. Okay, so what is it? Canfit Pro, Healthy Eating and Weight Loss Coach. That's their big one. Um, then they have some continuing education courses, one called Eat Clean Foundations and then Eat Clean for Wellness. One of the most popular ones out there is the Pre Precision Nutrition Level 1 course. Uh, and then ACE, the American Council of Exercise, also has a nutrition specialist course. Now, as far as books go, I do have some books. I pretty much own almost all these books. Uh, Spice by Dr. Stuart Fairmont, a great book about how to cook spices, how to use them. He doesn't talk about the health benefits of spices, but what it is is he tells you how to get and how to add spices and how to combine spices. So if you want to start using spices, just in period, it's a great book. Uh, Eat, Fe Eat Feel Fresh, a contemporary plant-based Ayurvedic cookbook by Sasha Rose. I'm a big fan of Ayurvedic and traditional, Chi Ayurvedic and traditional Chinese or traditional Asian cooking period. Uh, Dr. Stuart Fairmont, again, the science of cooking, again, just goes through all the science of how to make food good. Uh, Ayurvedic Cooking for Beginners by Laura Plum. 
the jungle effect, the healthiest diets from around the world, why they work and how to make them work for you. Because that's the important part, right? We don't live in the jungle. So how to make them work for you by Dr. Daf Daphne Miller. The Blue Zones Cookbook by Dan Butner. Uh, Eat to Beat Disease. I already talked about that with Dr. William Lee. The Inflammation Spectrum by Dr. William Cole. Uh, Bitter, A Taste of the World's Most Dangerous Flavor by Jennifer McLoggin. And finally, The Mediterranean Way by Judy Taylor. So those are my books that I suggest and courses. Um, the best way to go about that. And don't just pick one of these books. Read a whole bunch. I got a few other books here. Um, the Inflammation Spectrum. Sorry, too close to the microphone there. The Inflammation Spectrum by Dr. Will Cole. That's another book I got over here. It was a very good one. I think that's about it when it comes to cooking books that I have in the house right now or anything to do with nutrition and, the, where, and, is, and what we're talking about today. There you go, guys. Hope you enjoyed it. Now, if you did and if you're on your fitness journey, I just don't want to remind you that I have three great live or online slash hybrid coaching programs for men over 40, women over 30. That's my men's muscle and mind, my women's turn back time, or my stronger, longer, better total reset. Men's also my... Uh, health by design six week one there too if you just kind of want to get a, a taste of what's going on now the total long embedded research that's my most integrative program not for everybody but all the rest are the and all my programs include live weekly one-on-one -on -one coaching calls personalized fitness program your best life health and fitness pdf booklet uh and if you're in the vancouver area it's actually a printed book uh you get with the meat mini neat non-exercise activity thermogenesis activities and mini primes for mobility and abs Nutritional guidance with myself and along with my registered my registered nutritionist. Masterclass videos. I have gender-specific supplement guides. So men, you get the guys. Women, you get the women's book. Um, specific program lifestyle trackers. You get online one-on-one -on -one yoga sessions with my wife, who is a yoga-certified teacher, founder of Ahina Yoga and Thai Master Body Teacher. And like I said, if you're in the Vancouver area, you can do live coaching sessions instead of just online. And you also have the choice of getting professional, authentic Thai body work sessions at my clinic office here in Vancouver. And like I said, an email, uh, sorry, proper hard copy of the book. So... If you want to check it out, then, you know, feel free to shoot me a DM. You can also reach out to me at my website at www.roaralexander.com. You can always go there, of course, and check out more about the programs. And you can set up a free call with me if you're interested. Skype, Zoom, FaceTime, whatever you want. There's so many ways you can communicate nowadays. And that is just by going to www.roaralexander.com slash free call. Well, that's it, guys. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. And I will talk to you guys again soon. This has been the Health by Design podcast with Canada's leading healthy living expert and wellness architect, Roar Alexander. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe to Health by Design through your favorite podcast provider. And then don't forget to join me at www.roaralexander.com to stay up to date with my latest blogs, speaking events, and exclusive interviews from guests from all around the world. While you're there, be sure to check out my coaching options to help you on your own personal health journey, set up your free call, and together, let's see how I can help you starting today. And until next time, remember, I'm here to help you live stronger, longer, and as always, better.